Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Award. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. And we're live. And it's raining again. It's raining again? My yeah. Is it? Oh, it's too dark for me to see. It's raining. <sighs> Listen to the pitter-patter of rain on this new ASMR recording of Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love like that's exactly, of course, how you started. But then, of course, I was thinking of, all right, as we get into this lovely reading of a murder novel, of a mystery murder novel, Ooh, yeah, like that's like exactly that. what I was thinking of. Like, okay, where is the body? Let me know about the murder, about the blood splatter, and... I need all the clues immediately, please. Speaking of murder, mm-hmm. I bought the Defending Jacob book this oh. week, and okay. I'm yeah. loving it. Really? Great. Uh-huh. And, and it's kind of, it's fascinating to me in a way because, so the Apple TV series is supposed to be a miniseries, and it's only going to be eight episodes long, mm-hmm. but the first six episodes that are out currently... Mm-hmm. Well, when this airs, it'll be seven episodes. Um, but <laughs> up to right now, <laughs> the six episodes that I have watched have been mm-hmm. literally the first 200 pages of the book. Okay. And I don't know how they're going to put the second half of the book into two episodes if they've used six episodes to do the first half of the book. Oh. Yeah. So I'm... Curious how this uh-huh. is going to work out. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I don't know what to tell you, Tracy. I don't know either. You're I'm on the edge of my seat. <gasps> but it's okay, because Chris Evans will make everything right. There you go. <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> he will fix it for you. He will, because he's perfect. Oh. Yeah. Solutions. Chris Evans got it for you. One day, has it Chris Evans. You. Chris Evans, if you ever listen to this podcast, just know that I love you and will always love you, <laughs> no matter what. Period. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautifully said, Tracy. Thank when you. I, <laughs> episode twenty-six. When I lay out my undying love for Chris Evans, that's what today's episode is about. Actually, yeah. Hey. About how much I love Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start from a. Uh, not another teen movie, and we're going to work our way through No, I'm just kidding. That's what today's episode is really about. <laughs> Isn't that what every episode is really about? Yeah, really no, you, you have a really good point. Yeah, that's that's exactly, exactly what every single episode is about. Chris Evans, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about becoming more Christ-like. It's about how much I love Chris Evans. That's what it's about. It's becoming about, it's, it's about becoming more Chris-like. Oh my gosh! Oh dear. <laughs> I love it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yep. The important things in life. Great. That was a good one. That was a really good one. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> that was. Five, <laughs> to our five listeners out there. Yes. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Hey. <laughs> that was a plus material. Bringing it right to you. And that's all, folks. <laughs> Goodbye. That's all I've got. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. I know we're just getting started. So, 
What are we talking about today, Kaylee? Today we are talking about when to turn the other cheek and when not to. There we go. So uh, today I wanted to talk about turning the other cheek because that's something that I think all Christians really take seriously. It is a term. It is a recognizable term within Christianity that is noteworthy because of its meaning and emphasis on humility, temperance, and and meekness. Yes, thank you. Um, And on caring for one another on various reasons. But we, what we also want to highlight today is that there are going to be instances where we don't turn the other cheek. And it's important to note this um, in today's day and age and how it is reflected within our doctrine um, and how that appears in today's age and how we deal with that as single adults in the church and everything. So we're going to dive into that today. See if any of that makes more sense than anything I've said so far. It's one of those things where it's really difficult to kind of figure out when to do it and when not to, because Mm -hmm. we're faced with so many different things in our life that require us to either be kind and forgiving or to be like bold and tenacious or everything in between. And it's so important for us to figure out when we should stand up for ourselves or other people around us or when we should, you know, just like back off and not say anything. Right. Like, I think to a certain extent, the world really is black and white, but we have to get very much into those lines to see where the gray is, because that's where the world really is, Mm -hmm. because we don't have the time to really just to spend a lot of time in there because time is constantly moving. We can't just be like, okay, wait, this is happening to me right now. I need to figure out how I'm going to react. We don't have that time to decide on what we're going to do next. We have to act. So that's when the black and white world, it appears gray and we have to figure things out. We have to do something. Man, I like I swear, like there is so much good stuff that we want to share, but like my mind is just like <laughs> it's like it's on these like really short bursts right now. That's okay. Um, we'll we'll jump in. So we're gonna break it down into like when to turn the other cheek, and then we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about when not to turn the other cheek, when Jesus didn't, basically, when he stood mm-hmm. up to people and sassy snapped his way out of things and <laughs> you know, other yeah. examples like that. The so, moments y'all crave. Okay, so we're going to start with when to turn the other cheek. So Mm -hmm. we learn from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 39. Jesus himself says, whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Meaning, if someone is talking crap about you or wanting to fight with you or just being a general monster towards you, just turn around, walk away, ignore them. Um, in this day and age, it's really hard to do that because we have like keyboard warriors and internet trolls who just want to start crap for the sake of starting crap. So it's very challenging to just, you know, ignore them and live your life and not say anything about them. And there's a perfect quote about this from comeuntochrist.org. There's a blog article card. There's a blog. <laughs> there's a blog article car- called. I can't say called. I don't know why. We're struggling today and that's okay. It's called Turn the Other Cheek. 
And this quote says, learning to love those who treat us poorly can be hard. When we feel underappreciated, disrespected, or used, it seems painful to turn the other cheek. Christ doesn't intend for us to suffer at the hand of others, but he does want us to not do the same to them. Love and service softens hearts. Retaliation will often harden them. That quote really hits the nail on the head because it is really freaking hard to love people that treat us like garbage. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I have said it multiple times that I have a very hard time loving mankind. I have a general distaste for humanity. So mm-hmm. this Fair. is a lesson that I really need to work on for myself. But <laughs> the yeah. quote where it says, like, Christ doesn't want us to suffer because of other people, but he doesn't want us to do the same thing to them is what turning the other cheek means. So mm-hmm. just because someone is swearing at me and cursing me out doesn't mean that I should just accept everything. But it also doesn't mean that I should do the same thing back to them. And I shouldn't be cursing them out and treating them like garbage because that's not what Jesus wants for me to do. Right. It's uh, it's effectively stopping the current trajectory of negativity. Yes. That Yeah, that's basically what we're what it's trying to get. It's not about like suffering. It's it's putting a stop to everything that's going on. It's saying this is not okay and we're not going to allow it to keep happening. When someone is being cruel, we're saying we're not going to allow cruelty in our lives and we're not going to let this happen. We're saying, yeah, we're saying no to this and we're not going to be cruel in return, Mm -hmm. which is being the the bigger person in a sense. It's like, ooh, it's like in the new Cinderella movie. I love how what a lot of people pointed out um, was how with the motto of, oh, what was it? Have courage and be kind. All right. There we go. And at the end of the movie, she turns to her terrible stepmother who has been very unkind to her, who like locked her up and tried to hide her away and keep her from the prince who she really adored. And she turned to her and said, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And she didn't try to do anything cruel back to her. That's effectively what Christ is talking about when he says to turn the other cheek. It it was Cinderella, Edsella, whatever you want to call her, saying, I'm not going to be cruel back to you and I'm going to let this go because I don't want to keep this pain, this hatred, this suffering in the world anymore. It doesn't belong here between us. Exactly. And even though it would be so satisfying to watch them suffer a little bit, yes, just it, a little would, bit. Really, it would really be satisfying. <sighs> what she's really teaching us and what the Savior is teaching us is that humility mm-hmm. and forgiveness and meekness are more important than self-satisfying revenge, mm-hmm. basically. So in this article, it continues and it says humility um, and forgiveness are important <laughs> attributes that we need to learn how to develop and grow within ourselves. It says, pride is often the source of bitterness and hurt feelings. As we follow the Lord's example and humble ourselves, we will feel healing. Instead of asking, what's in it for me? Try asking, what can I do for someone else? Looking outwardly changes our perspective, humbles us, and helps us better understand others. As we humble ourselves, we find it easier not only to forgive others, but also to seek forgiveness. Letting go of grudges helps us heal and stops us from limiting our view of others. As we let go of these feelings and forgive, it's much easier to love those around us and be happier ourselves. I love this quote, especially because of the letting go of grudges bit, because if you Mm -hmm. think about a grudge, the grudge is really only hurting you, the person who is holding said grudge. Mm -hmm. If I was holding a grudge against you, Kaylee, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't know 
Like I'm just festering in anger on my own, holding Mm -hmm. this thing against you and you're still off living your life happily and doing Mm -hmm. whatever you want and not caring or because you don't know that I'm angry at you. Mm -hmm. So holding a grudge is so stupid and just being able to let go of it really does help us to heal and it helps us to like move on with our lives and feel not only better about ourselves, but feel better about like the world around us in general. Exactly. Yes. And if anyone's listened to some of our last, I think it was like in the last five episodes that we've recorded, you guys know that I can on occasion hold a grudge or two. Um, and it is something that I've definitely been actively working on as I've gotten older. And trust me, it is definitely a good feeling to let them go, to let go of them, to shake them off. Um, one of the ways I've started thinking of them is to be holding a knife against people, but to be holding them backwards. Whereas I'm holding onto the sharp part and it does not feel good. I'm only hurting myself the entire time and it's not doing any good in that relationship. And Mm -hmm. it ends up becoming the only thing I can really think about. And it really does ruin my relationships with people. But as I continue to work on it, I've definitely seen a lot of progress in my relationships with others, especially in my family. So while they're not perfect, I'm still not perfect either. And so grudges are just not good things to hold on to. Yeah, they're just they're really just weighing you down. They're only going to hurt you. Forgiveness really is a beautiful gift that you should really learn to discover. Um, We'll have to do a awesome episode on this sometime, but it's something that you should definitely uh, look into and talk to the Lord about because it really is important. And like Tracy shared in the quote, as we let go of these feelings and forgive, it's much easier to love those around us and be happier ourselves. And trust me, happiness is completely worth it. Once you let go of those grudges, you can better heal and see how much more happiness there is in the world. It is amazing, and you will feel so much lighter, and people become a lot cooler once you stop caring about what they did in the past. Exactly. I think a good example of this is like having roommates also. If you've never had roommates before. You sometimes have had roommates that are like so awesome, and you get along so well, and you just jive perfectly, and then you have other roommates that you do not get along with whatsoever they're great and and terrible things and you're just staying with them because they pay their part of the rent sometimes turning the other cheek is so critical because if you want to be able to maintain peace in your house sometimes you have to just swallow your pride shut your mouth and let it go that's true I have had that experience so many times with previous (laughs) roommates in my life Mm-hmm. Roommates that refused to clean up after themselves or yeah. were just ridiculously disrespectful all the time. Oh. And uh-huh. like I would stand up for myself and stand up for like the other roommates at that point and mm-hmm. say, you know, like you're being really disrespectful and really rude. But after that point, I was like, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Like I'm just going to let it go. Like they already know how I feel about things. Yeah. Keep the peace, be kind, and, you know, not harp on them. And then eventually, like, just bide my time until I can move out. And that's what I did. So yeah, another example of turning the other cheek and when not to turn the other cheek. So that's a very simple one, but very reasonable. I can't believe I didn't think of that. That's a really good one. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh, that's like so obvious. Oh my gosh. Yes. Roommates. Yeah. All right. So 
Kaylee, I'm going to give this to you now. When should we not turn the other cheek? All the time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Always be angry all the time. No? <laughs> <laughs> Always be angry. Always get revenge. <laughs> okay, no. Um, <laughs> all right, so there are times um, when it is okay to not turn the other cheek. There are going to be times where you don't just take in the abuse, where you let the bad things happen. There are times where we take a stand, and there are plenty of examples within the scriptures that we can learn from. Um, there is a great quote from the 1993 New Era. It says, yes, you should turn the other cheek, and no, it isn't wrong to defend yourself. But how can you do both? Our best example is Jesus Christ and how he lived his life. We know from his, his example that turning the other cheek is a righteous choice. So often as in his life, gross insults were answered with a calm reply or silence. There are times, of course, when we are called upon to fight for more significant reasons, to defend our homes, our countries, our lives, our religion, or to help someone preserve their rights against Against a stronger force, we can respond with confidence to their to those causes. And there are definitely times, even during today, where we are called upon to defend ourselves and to defend others as well. Um, I mean, there are still times where we are facing wars, where people are being persecuted. We see that today, even there's going to be opportunities where we need to stand up to those who are suffering for any reason. There's a good example in the Book of Mormon, and it comes from that same article that Kaylee was talking about. It's the story of the sons of Helaman as a good example of when not to turn the other cheek. So the quote says, The people of Ammon took an oath to lay down their arms and fight no more against the Lamanites. So rather than have them break a sacred oath, Helaman accepted another solution. Their sons, who had not taken the oath as children, gathered and took up weapons to fight alongside the Nephites. The scripture says they were exceedingly valiant for courage and also for strength and activity. But behold, this was not all. They were men who were true at all times in whatsoever thing they were entrusted. The thing that comes out of this is the Nephites knew they couldn't continue to just be beaten and abused and victimized by the Lamanites. They knew they needed to do something and they needed to stand up for themselves and defend their families, defend their liberty, defend everything. Instead of breaking their oath, like they said, they had their sons who had not broken the oath take up arms and stand up and fight. And they did everything that the Lord asked them to do. So they had the spirit with them and they were able to fight with the spirit. We might not be called to like go and fight physically for our families. But I think an important thing to remember out of this example is that turning the other cheek does not mean that you can't stand up for yourself or defend what is right. I think that's a really strong reminder that we need to keep in mind, even during this day and age, that like what we said um, in one of our last recent episodes where, where we mentioned we didn't want to make this show uh, political by any means. We wanted to remind everyone that no matter what, we still should be seeing ourselves and presenting ourselves as Latter-day Saints. That's mm -hmm. what we need to make sure that we are always representing ourselves as to those around us. And if we're not able to do that, then, I mean, what, like, are we truly members? Are we truly followers of Christ? We, we need to be able to support our own beliefs and help others support theirs as well. We need to be helping those around us. Like, okay, so what I'm trying to get across is I'm thinking about how there was that short little video of that uh, the female soccer players and yes. how these teams were playing a game and she, one player was wearing her hijab and it fell off. And immediately the opposite team players stopped 
and ran over to protect her. Not protect her, but to stand guard because it, it's just a, it's a religious thing. Like members that are not part of her family shouldn't be seeing her hair. And so he she stopped to fix this. And the other women knew who were not part of the team ran over to to stand guard around her. Okay, so to me that's just something very respectful that they did. They stopped. So the game was still going on around them, but the women were there to be supportive of her. They were not part of her religion. They could have kept playing on around her. They didn't have to help her, um, but they were respecting her beliefs. They were standing up for another person's beliefs and defending what was right. Uh, and yeah, so that's just kind of the, the points that I think we're trying to get across to show that that we need to be setting a strong example for ourselves and for others around us, that we should always be willing to stand up for ourselves, for our beliefs, and to protect those around us, to defend what is right, and to take care of those around us. Jesus also set forth like a perfect way of how to deal with abuse, taunting, and persecution. And this is in Matthew 18, 15. And it says, If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So basically, the Lord is telling us, that if you have an issue with someone, you need to talk to that person. You don't spread it to like 15 other people. Don't you need gossip. To confront it head on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Talk it out and see if it helps. If it doesn't, then to seek outside help and counsel. And that continues in verse 16. It says, If the persecutor will not hear thee, then take thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses may every word establish. And that means, like, if they are not fully listening to you and, like, trying to understand your point of view, then seeking a mediator would be a great way to fix the issue. Yeah, mediators can play different types of... I mean, they'll say the same role. They'll play the same role as mediator, but they might uh, come in in a different style. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So now let's look at a great example of when Jesus did not turn the other cheek and he took a stand. Yes. I love this example so much. Same. Same. So the example that we have is everyone's favorite. It's Jesus cleaning the temple. Or not cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ki- I mean, kind of, but he's not better. going to with that. I mean, <laughs> he, it's Jesus cleansing, cleansing the temple. I think it's one of only so many stories that are in all four uh, gospels, right? Because not all, not all, all the stories are in all four gospels, right? Um. I don't feel confident enough to answer that question. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, no, come on, Tracy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Never mind then. <laughs> In preparation for this episode, I mm-hmm. read all four of the accounts in all four <gasps> of the Gospels. And okay. I watched the video. And I have to say, the video is magnificent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> The guy that plays Jesus, you don't even really see him at the beginning. You just hear things like crying. Like you hear chickens clucking and you hear tables being knocked over and like goats bleeding as they run away. Like, and then they run. (laughs) And Uh it's so 
fun. And then you see people like fleeing and like running like, ah, let me grab all my stuff. And like, mm-hmm. it's great. Okay, so for those of you that have, I'm sorry, I just love the video. I watched it so many times. <laughs> <Kind> <laughs> yeah, you need you need to describe it to those of us who have not watched this. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it later. We'll do a like bonus episode of me just describing the video. Oh um, yes, please. <laughs> we'll do that another time. Um, <laughs> if people actually want it, we'll make it happen. Um, so basically, the story is that. Jesus went into the temple and he saw that people were, uh, they basically turned the temple into a marketplace. Mm -hmm. People were um, selling goods, animals, woven things. Um, There were money changers in there. There were people gambling. There was just a whole bunch of nonsense happening in the temple. And Jesus basically got pissed and he walked through the temple and started flipping tables and throwing people out and, yelling at them but it was a righteous yell he said in matthew 21 verse 13 he said unto them my house shall be called the house of prayer but ye have made it a den of thieves and he just continued to send everyone out until it finally was empty and clean again and appropriate for the spirit of the lord to dwell there so now mm-hmm. there's a point to Jesus Christ's example here. Thank you, Kaylee, for writing this in. It is very perfect. So I got you. Kaylee says, "I'm going to quote Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord will not permit all or anything to be permitted within the temple. We can't get away with right. everything. Forgiveness is a blessing. Just because there is the gift of forgiveness doesn't mean we turn the other cheek and a blind eye to it. And then there are also moments where we should not be turning the other cheek when the other side is very, very clearly wrong. And the examples that Kaylee gave, which are perfect, are racism, pedophiles, and animal abuse. That's just to start out with. I'm sure there are many others that we could list. There are. I just wanted to list three that everyone can definitely agree upon. Yes. Like, if you can't agree upon that, then you have very, very basic issues. Yeah. That I'm not going to dive into because they're inherently wrong and you need help. So this example of Christ cleansing the temple is so important because throughout Christ's life and his ministry, he turned the other cheek and he was quiet, he was meek, he was humble, and he would just ask like a penetrating question to the person that was accusing him. And it would be a soul searching kind of question, not something that would be rude or aggressive or anything. And then in this instance, he is showing a perfect time to essentially raise righteous hell and correct things the way that they need to be corrected in order for the spirit to dwell and for things to run the way that the Lord would have them run. Agreed. Yeah. And then it always brings me back to the one about uh, the woman caught in adultery. That's always one of my favorite examples because it, I, I just, I just love that one because they're all like, Oh, like go, like, you have to stone her, like, you have to get rid of her, like, she did something bad, like, we're, we've, we've caught you in a trap. And then he's like, okay, so you haven't ever done anything wrong? Is is that what you're saying, basically? And then they're like, hmm, well, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that that's what Christ was always doing. He's like, okay, 
I mean, yeah, we're all sinners. Like, you're all sinners, but, like, we we can be better. And that's why I'm here, to help you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what Christ is all about. Like, he's here to help us to do better. Yeah, that that's literally what he was here to do. He's here to make sure that the atonement happens and to remind us how to improve, to make sure, you know, that we're using the temple in the right manner, to remind us what right is and what wrong is, how to be righteous, where anger belongs, mm-hmm. um, and how to be just with one another. Exactly. Simple as that. And he basically in the example of him cleansing the temple shows us where righteous anger has a place in the world. Kaylee, can you tell us about righteous anger? Yes, a little bit. I can. Okay. In a (laughs) Ensign article from 1988, it says that righteous anger is a controlled response to an unrighteous situation. However, it's not the kind of emotional outburst that most of us are all too familiar with, of course. But it is, as stated in General Conference 1971, righteous anger is an attribute of deity whose anger is everlastingly kindled against wickedness. Likewise, an inspired man might be led to speak or act in righteous anger, as in Moses when he broke the tablets upon which the Ten Commandments were written by the Lord. So there are moments where Jesus, where prophets, even us, uh, can be led to act in righteous anger, just like this quote says, to do something to make sure that um, important things happen because we need to make sure that the right things can happen. And sometimes we have to do it through anger to get rid of wickedness and clear the path for something good. Exactly. I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the commandments, but Abinadi is a perfect example of righteous anger Ooh, because... Yes. He was chained and bound in front of King Mm -hmm. Noah and his evil, wicked priests. And Mm -hmm. instead of just being quiet and saying like, okay, yeah, I accept, you know, the punishment that's upon me. He was like, no, first of all, you're all wrong. Because if you were doing what the Lord asked you to do as a king and as leaders in this world, then I wouldn't have to be here teaching you about the commandments of God and doing your job for you. (laughs) And he's like, I could have been out preaching the gospel continually to the people in the world that need it. And Mm -hmm. instead, I'm here in front of you, horrible people, and I have to do it to you now. And don't even try to come at me because God's not going to let me die until I'm done saying this stuff to you. So Mm -hmm. suck it um, is essentially what. (laughs) what Pretty much. Pretty much. He's like, I got this and I know this is happening, but like, I got to be here now because... You weren't listening in the first place, and this is your fault. Yeah. This leads us to another part of this, which is um, chastisement versus verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. So I personally love righteous chastisement. I love giving righteous chastisement. I Uh am really good at chastising people. Um, Oh, really? Surprise. Um, When when I was on my mission, my trainer used to say, now, Sister Duchesne, it is a sister missionary's job to chastise the elders so they can be better missionaries. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. That was one of the first things I learned how to do in my mission was how to chastise the elders with love and with the scriptures or with the white handbook, which is the missionary handbook. So. Oh, that's funny. I got real good at that, and that was one of the first things I taught my trainee to do also. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's so great. Yeah. 
So chastisement is, it should be a sharp reminder of correct manners. So it shouldn't be angry. It shouldn't be hypercritical. And it's not personal. It's just like a stern reminder. It's saying, hey, you know this and I know this. Just make sure that you're actually aware of this. You're consciously aware of this. Exactly. I know we learned about righteous chastisement in Doctrine and Covenant section 121 when they're talking about the rights of the priesthood and the principles that like follow that are attached to the priesthood. So like love unfeigned, kindness, persuasion, charity, that sort of thing. And it's never Uh like anger, contention or like self justifications or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to read the scriptures to you guys. You can do that yourselves. But basically (laughs) when you're chastising someone, you're doing it with the spirit and you're doing it with love for the person that you're chastising in a way Mm -hmm. that they know that you love them, that the Lord loves them. And like you said, Kaylee, that it's a reminder, a righteous reminder for them to be better. Conversely. All right. Conversely. Yeah. Is verbal verbal abusement, which is not okay. That is the act of forcefully criticizing, insulting, or denouncing another person. So that is purposefully trying to hurt someone usually characterized by underlying anger and hostility. It's destructive communication intended to harm harm the other person and produce negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And so while we do try to turn the other cheek, not if it becomes abuse. And that's when we don't turn the other cheek. If we're getting hurt and purposely abused in any way, then we nope right out of there. Like that's not something that we're going to be willing to put up with. So there's actually <laughs> one that's from it in. Elder Holland's conference talk in October, 2018. His conference talk is called The Ministry of Reconciliation. And in this talk, he really focuses on um, the principle of forgiveness is key, but it doesn't mean that you have to stay in a toxic relationship or a toxic situation in order to have forgiveness or to, like, turn the other cheek. So I'm just going to read what he says because it's better than what either one of us can say. He says... Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Christ taught in New Testament times. And in our day, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you, it is required to forgive all men. It is, however, important for some of you living in real anguish to note what he did not say. He did not say you are not allowed to feel true pain or real sorrow from the shattering experiences you have had at the hand of another. Nor did he say, in order to forgive fully, you have to re-enter a toxic relationship or return to an abusive, destructive circumstance. But notwithstanding even the most terrible offenses that might come to us, we can rise above our pain only when we put our feet onto the path of true healing. That path is the forgiving one walked by Jesus of Nazareth, who calls out to each of us, come follow me. Oh, that's good. I love this quote. Mm -hmm. I love this whole talk. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that like it's been quoted a lot because, yeah, it's a reminder of how we don't need to stay in such toxic, dangerous relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know I talked about this with um, someone in my Relief Society presidency a lot because her mom experienced something similar to what I am experiencing with my family. Um, Mm -hmm. And she said that like when her mom heard this talk by Elder Holland, she finally felt like she had made the right decision years and years and years ago to not associate with certain members of her family because it was a toxic relationship. When I heard that talk too, the same thing came to my mind that like 
I made the right decision in cutting off a relationship with someone in my family because they Mm -hmm. were toxic. And it's so important for us to realize this because I had forgiven this person at that point. Like, it's my mom. I've talked about this before. I had forgiven my mom, but I just didn't want her in my life because I knew that if I opened the door, if I kept it open, that I would be subjecting myself to more heartache, to more pain, more emotional turmoil than I should have to experience in my life. Mm -hmm. And when Elder Holland said this, I knew that I had made the right decision because I knew that in my heart I had forgiven her. I want what's best for her and I want her to have a good, happy life. But I also do not want her in my life because I know that she doesn't want the same thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that I can be out of a toxic relationship with my mother, but still remain close to the savior and know that I have forgiven her meant so, so much to me. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine how difficult and how empowering that must be. I want to continue on with um, Elder Holland's talk a little bit. Just with this last bit of his, he says, My beloved brothers and sisters, I testify that forgiving and forsaking offenses, old or new, is central to the grandeur of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I testify that ultimately such spiritual repair can come only from our divine Redeemer, he who rushes to our aid with healing in his wings. We thank him and our Heavenly Father who sent him that renewal and rebirth, a future free from old sorrows and past mistakes, are not only possible, but they have already been purchased, paid for at an excruciating cost symbolized by the blood of the Lamb who shed it. I felt like it was important to include this part of his talk because he's really showing us forgiveness can really only come through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't just come automatically like we don't just sit there one day and say like, Heavenly Father, please bless me with forgiveness for this person. Like it takes a lot of effort Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of work. And when it finally does come, it really is healing in his wings. Like it rushes to us and we can feel that freedom and that comfort knowing that we have really tried to focus on the Savior in our lives and turn the other cheek, even though someone has repeatedly wronged us. Mm -hmm. Being able to be on that healing path and try to apply the atonement every single day, it takes a lot of effort, but it's so worth it because then once you have made that point of forgiveness and forsaking offenses, whether they're old or new, like he says, like you can be free. You can really be free and be happy and move on with life Mm -hmm. the way that the Savior wants you to. That's true. Exactly. I don't know how else I'd add to that right there. I don't know. That was a really good point. Oh, yeah. So, basically, (laughs) let me summarize (laughs) things a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, in order to know when to turn the other cheek and when not to turn the other cheek, it really depends on having the Spirit with us. So when Mm -hmm. you have the spirit with you, you can make that snap decision in the moment when it comes up and the Lord will tell you exactly what to do when you need to do something. In terms of not turning the other cheek, standing up for yourself, again, you need to have the spirit with you because the spirit will tell you what to say, when to say it, how to say things, how to handle things, how to not have contentious arguments, and how to maintain that spirit of love and friendship in everything that you do. And then later on down the road, when it comes to 
forgiveness and leaving toxic relationships, again, the spirit will really help you understand when and how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And while the world seems to work in more of a gray zone, the Lord definitely works more in, in black and white. And so while we're trying to figure out the fuzzy lines, the closer connection we have with the spirit, the closer we are to the Lord, we're going to be able to figure that out. So as we square our shoulders and are thoughtful and we are figuring out what we are doing, then the more prepared we can be when it's time to to take action, to defend ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to know when it's time to turn the cheek or to not turn the cheek. And you know what? Just like there are examples of doing both in the scriptures and 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 the stories that we've shared, it's it's going to depend. It's it's always going to change. And we're going to have different opportunities that arise. I mean, sometimes we're going to make mistakes and sometimes we're going to do it right. It just happens. Yeah. So uh, I think a good rule of thumb is you're mm -hmm. always going to know when you need to stand up for someone because you're going to feel it in your gut. That is true. You're going to have that feeling of this is not right. Someone needs to say something. Why is nobody saying something? And then you go, it's because I have to be the one to say something. And that's when you need to stand up and do it. Yes, that yep. that is very true. Well said, Tracy. Oh, it's a scary feeling, but when you say it, there is no other feeling like it. That's pretty much all I got for today. Yeah, no, I think we covered some of the basics, and I think at the end of the day, there's only so much we can say about turning the other cheek. I think the rest of, if we didn't answer anyone's questions, I mean, everyone's more than welcome to send in their questions, send in their stories, send in anything that they would like to to us, but it's also going to take their personal scripture study and their personal prayers and pondering and everything with the Lord for them to get the revelation and answers that they need for themselves. Exactly. Figure out how you can turn the other cheek, be kind and humble and meek and submissive, and also when you can not turn the other cheek and stand up for yourself and other people and make sure you're doing it with the spirit when it counts. So beat them down appropriately. So thanks for listening. We thank you. Take care. Bye. Stay safe. Peace. Bye.